Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the L.A. area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. Hey, we're going to be in two portions of Scripture this morning. We're going to be in Mark chapter 11. We're going to be in Mark chapter 6. So you can put your finger there, Mark chapter 11. We're going to start there, then we're going to launch from there, go into uh, Mark chapter 6. But again, let's thank the Lord. Lord, we do thank you. Um, you have been so faithful, and you remain faithful, Lord. But even if we're faithless, you remain faithful. You will not deny yourself. And yet, God, for us, I ask and pray as we come here this morning, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you please speak and minister to our hearts as we look to you, as we ask you, Lord, to lead and guide and to direct our lives. God, would you please do that? We ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hey, guys, I don't know if you've ever noticed something within your life. I notice it oftentimes within my life, the way in which God chooses to work and move in and through my life. Because for me, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very goal oriented, but I have discovered with the Lord that, that it's not so much about the goal, but it's about the process. It's not so much about the destination, but it's about the journey. But because I'm goal-orientated, again, like I can struggle with that. I can be just going along, and I'm just so focused on the other end that I'm not enjoying. Listen, when I go shopping, I don't shop to shop. I go to buy. And if I'm going to go and just go and look around, I'm, I don't want to be there. Hence... Why my wife oftentimes never doesn't ask me to go shopping with her. But, but when she does ask me, we did this last week, uh, two weeks ago. Um, she asked me, hey, can you come with me? And so I go with her. And she has this little list on the side. I think she calls it the Pat list. And so when we go into the grocery store, we go in there. And then she'll say, hey, Pat, could you go find? She knows how I am. I, I, I want to go, I want to go get something to do. Will you go find this and this? She gives me two things to go find. She doesn't give me three because if I, she gives me three, I won't come back with three. It'll be one or, or four or something like that. But she says, hey, go find these two things. And so I'm, I'm, I'm there. I'm go, see, running around the store, find it. And when I find it, I come back and I'm all happy now because I, I found it and I come back and I put it in the basket. Then she says, oh, hey, could you go find these other two things now? And so it keeps me happy. It keeps her happy. I'm not standing there saying, come on, when, when are we going to be done? When are we going to get out of here? But I find for myself, again, I'm very goal-orientated. But what I also find and discovered, like we're going to see in the scripture today, just like with the disciples, is that they kind of, you know, they missed the stuff that was going on. Because they were more, uh, you know, they were more about the goal than they were about the process. They were more about the destination than actually the journey. Because it's in that journey that God wants to move. He wants to speak. He wants to minister to our hearts. Uh, I know for me and my wife, we love to go out on walks. And when we're out walking, you know, again, okay, we're going to go around the block a few times or whatever that would look like. And we go out, my wife knows, hey, I want to get your, your heart rate up, get your cardio working. So she wants me to walk fast. So I'm walking really fast and clipping along and trying to keep up with my wife. And she knows this is good for me. But what I notice is that when she has the grandgirls, the daughters, I got, I got four granddaughters, but when three of them are with her and they're going for a walk, they say, hey, we're going to go down to my parents. They live around the corner from us. And so as we're walking down, I'm like, I want to get to my parents. So I'm goal-orientated. 
And what they're doing is they're just sitting there like meandering and yip, 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 Why? Because for them, it's not about the destination. It's about the journey and the process. And, and they enjoy that fellowship. And I think oftentimes we miss what God wants to do when we're just thinking about the goal or we're thinking about the destination. We were going on a mission trip and we're going to Uganda one time. And uh, I remember um, we, you know, we go to the airport. We have a bunch of people on this trip and we go to the airport and there, you know, we're going through security. And so I go through security and I'm watching my team all kind of coming through. And you know how they grab some of the bags, UTSA people, and then they go through all the bags and they look at them all and they do all of that. But I'm watching the team and wanting to make sure all my people get past TSA. But I remember we all have our team shirts on. It says Team Uganda, right? And as I'm standing there kind of watching my team, this lady walks up. She looks at me and goes, hey, who's Team Uganda? And I looked at this lady, and I'm looking around, and I look at Candace was standing right next to me. I go, hey, talk to her. She'll tell you all about it and stuff. So me and Candace kind of have this whole thing every time we talk. Hey, Pat, who's Team Uganda? And I'm reminded, yeah, 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 stop, smell the roses, see the things that are kind of going on. But here in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 11, um, Pastor Chet asked me, he says, hey, Pat, grab a verse and then go from there. And so this is the verse that I kind of grabbed, and the Lord just really ministered a lot of things to my heart from it. But chapter, uh, verse, chapter 11, verse 22, it says this. It says, so Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. And I know when Pastor Chet was going through this, he, he kind of honed in on this as well for all of us, where Jesus would stop and say, have faith in God. Now, now what was going on before then that Jesus actually would look at them and tell them to have faith in God. Why do you do it? Well, listen, the disciples are doing life together. They're walking along and they're walking along with Jesus doing life together. They're on their journey with Jesus, just like each one of us is on a journey with Jesus. But as Jesus is walking along and they're right there with him, he sees this fig tree. It's got leaves on it. So he goes up thinking that there might be some fruit there. He goes up, he looks at the tree and there's no fruit there. And then Jesus says this, he says, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. Let no one eat fruit from you ever again. But then it tells us that the disciples heard it. The disciples heard it. So they're walking along. They see Jesus, you know, come up to this fig tree. Hey, no, don't ever let fruit come from you again. And they go on. And I have to think, well, that was kind of a weird thing that Jesus would say that. And then they go about and there's other things that happen. But then as you're reading through there, as you pick it up there in verse uh, 20, it says, now in the morning, chapter 11, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering the remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. Now, again, they're walking along and they see this thing that just happened. Uh, Again, this is like a miraculous thing, a miracle that happened in their midst. And it's kind of like they're clueless. And so he looks at Jesus and says, hey, Jesus, you know, the fig tree which you cursed had withered away. And yet look at what Jesus says to him. He says, have faith faith in God. Have faith in God. Hey, listen, people, in the process of doing life together in our journey with Jesus, he wants us to trust him. 
He wants us to have faith in him. Whatever circumstance we may find ourselves, it's about having faith and trust in God. So let's look at, turn now with me to Mark chapter 6, and we're going to kind of see a few stories here of Jesus communicating to the disciples. And there in Mark chapter 6, we're going to be picking up, it's the story of the the feeding of the 5,000, the feeding of the 5,000. We'll pick it up in verse 34, and it says, and then Jesus, when he'd come out, he saw the great multitude, he was moved with compassion for them. You know, whenever I read things like that, I, I always kind of put myself in that place. Like I was standing there, and Jesus looks out, and he sees Pat, and he's moved with compassion for me. Hey, people, can I tell you something? Jesus looks out and sees each and every one of you today. And he's moved with compassion for you. He desires good things, great things for you to move and work in your heart and in your life. It goes on to say, because they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, hey, this is a deserted place. And already the hour is late. Send them away that they may go to the surrounding countries, villages, and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. So the disciples are sitting there and are realizing, because again, it's going to tell us. There was, there was 5,000 men, and that's not including women or children. We don't know exactly how many people there are. Listen, this church, when it's crammed, it's got a couple thousand, 2,000 people that can get in here. But you stop and you consider 5,000 people That was a lot of people. And they're saying, hey, Lord, listen, it's getting late. It's getting late. You're kind of your Bible studies going on and on and on. Uh, Hopefully not like this morning, but uh, it's getting late. And, uh, you know, we're we're kind of the people are going to get hungry and we need to, you know, do something about that. Send them away so they can go and buy themselves food. But he answered and said to them, you give them something to eat. I I, I love the fact that the Lord gives them a command. You give them something to eat. Do you know that in our walk, in our journey with Jesus, in our walk of life, that God never gives us a command that he doesn't provide the means by which we can fulfill that command? You know, I do a lot of stuff on marriage. Uh, Do you know that in Ephesians 5 there, he gives a command to us husbands? He gives a command to the wives, and yet it is near impossible for the husband and the wife to fulfill that command in and of themselves. But he doesn't just give us a command and leave us there. He also gives us the means by which we can fulfill that. Hey, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So wife, you can accomplish your goal. Husband, you can accomplish your task. He gives us the means by which. And so he says to them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? In a sense, a denarii was like a day's wage. And so in a sense, if you're talking about like today, if the average person, let's say he makes $60,000 a year, then, you know, you're talking about $30,000 in today's world or whatever of the amount of money. And they're like, hey, we don't have that. We don't got that. What are you telling us? Go give them something to eat. We don't have that kind of money. But then he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. So he sends them out on a little mission trip. They go out and they're looking around. They're trying to find what they have. And they come back and they say, we got five loaves and we got two fish. 
Not sure what you're going to do with that, Jesus, but that's all we came up with. And again, God is always doing something that we oftentimes don't see. He's moving and working in ways that we oftentimes don't see. Listen, uh, there was a life story that happened to me that I learned uh, years ago. I probably shared it before, but I'm going to share it again if you heard it. Just, okay, yeah, that's nice, Pat. But anyways, um, I was involved with a church, and um, there was a guy there that had, uh, in his before Christ days, uh, he had done some, a lot of very corrupt things, not good things, Uh, And because of that, when he accepted the Lord, he wanted to, okay, I'm going to try to do everything that's right. Well, when he wanted to try to do everything right, the government came after him, the IRS. And I don't think they had the IRS problem solvers back then. But anyways, the IRS come after him and they basically said, hey, listen, dude, you owe us a couple of hundred thousand dollars and we're coming after you. We're coming after your house. We're coming after your business. We're coming after everything you got. You pay up. And he's like, "I I got nothing. And yet, so he's standing there, he comes in, I'm standing there with the pastor, and he's talking to the pastor, and he's kind of explaining, hey, this is just what happened. And the pastor's listening to that, he's going, oh my gosh, what's going on? He goes, hey, is there any way that we can help you? Is there something that we can do for you in one way? And I remember the guy looked at my, the pastor, and he said, listen, God told me it's not about the money, but it's about believing and trusting in God. And I remember when he said that, I looked at him, and he turned around and walked away. And the pastor, I looked at the pastor, he rolled his eyes and go, yeah, right, it's not about the money. Uh, how, how does that work? And yet, I was, because this guy was kind of like turned into a mentor of mine, and I got to watch him walk through this whole thing within his life. And the whole time, the you know, IRS says, hey, we're coming after you. So he, they, they kind of set up this, this appointment. They said, you need to come in a few months, but pay off whatever you can, you know, while you're doing it. And God provided a little bit of stuff, but it was nothing compared to what he owed. And so he's getting ready on the day that the IRS told him, okay, you got to come in and, and you got to take care of this. And he finally goes in and he's not paid off hardly any of it. But as he goes in, he goes in for this meeting thinking, okay, God, you told me it's not about the money but it's about trusting and believing in you. And he goes in with all his paperwork. He was going to say, hey, listen, this, this is everything I got. This is what you, I, you tell me what you want me to do. And as he goes in there, they said, hey, you know what? Your caseworker, he got transferred out. He's somewhere else. So, uh, you know, come back in a few months and we'll assign you a new caseworker and things. And this kind of thing kept happening over and over and over until finally, when he finally goes in, Whatever wasn't paid off, they just finally cleared it. And he was able to say, see, it wasn't about the money. It was about believing and trusting in God. <laughs> believing and trusting in God. Listen, there was a time when, um, when I'm, I was going to say I was married. I'm still married. But anyways, <laughs> um, when, the, the, you know, when I was young and married and we had two little ones, you know, and stuff, um, and we were up at a church in Northern California, and I remember going into church, and the pastor that week happened to say, hey, guys, we're going to be doing a mission trip. We're going to go smuggle Bibles into China. And I'm thinking, 007, go to China. Yes, sign me up. I want to do that and stuff. And I remember going, and I'm a part of the meetings and everything. And, but listen, at that time, I was making five bucks an hour working. We had absolutely nothing. I mean, we were at the soup kitchen. We were in line for rice and beans. And yet I'm like thinking, no, no, no. God told me to go. You know, look at my wife and you know, she's looking at me like, okay, yeah, but God told me I'm going to go and stuff. And I remember we're going along and then, you know, I don't know, after about a month or so of the meetings, one of the guys comes up and says, well, Pat, hey, how much have you raised? 
And I go, ah, I got about 150 bucks. How's that? And he goes, yeah, that's not quite enough, but we'll just wait and see um, and stuff. But you know what? It was really interesting because about two weeks later, the assistant pastor comes up to me and says, hey, Pat, I want to let you know someone came and they paid your whole way so that you can go. Listen, listen, that's like one of those things, you know, where Jesus, you know, they, the, the, they, they came after Peter and the apostles say, hey, you're not paying your taxes. And Jesus kind of, go, or Peter goes up to Jesus and he's like, hey, uh, they're talking about us not paying taxes and everything. And, and, and yet him and, you know, Peter have this kind of conversation. But he says, Peter, listen, go down, to the, go down to the ocean there, take your hook, throw it in the water. The first fish you catch, open it up and look in its mouth. There's going to be a coin in there. You pull that coin out and then you go and you pay our taxes. Now think about Peter as he's walking down with his fishing pole. He's a fisherman. You know, I'm thinking, okay, yeah, uh, Lord, whatever. I throw it in, first fish he catches. Listen, I've caught a lot of fish in my life. Never once have I seen a bunch of money come out so I can pay my taxes. But that's what Jesus chose to do for Peter at that time, in a sense. You, you just, you never know how the Lord wants to work. You never know what he wants to do. But let's continue on there in verse 39. It says, and he commanded to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks in hundreds and in fifties. This is a lot of people. And when he had taken, now again, all they were able to provide was five loaves and two fish, two fish. And listen, these are not like 250 pound tuna. Okay. These are, you know, little, the tilapia or whatever they get up in the, in the Jordan River. They're, they're small little things, okay? So it's not like these big fish say, oh, yeah, you know, 300-pound bluefin tuna. That'd be nice, but that, that's not what this was. It was just a small little, little thing, more likely than not. And yet it says, when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, he blessed, and he broke the loaves. People, can I tell you that in our journey with Jesus, in our traveling along with him, oftentimes this is what kind of happens in life, um, where we're kind of traveling along and we're not, not really sure all of what's going on, but God brings us to a point where he wants to take us, he wants to bless, he wants to break, and then he wants to use our lives. Think for a moment about a fruit tree. A fruit tree, I love fruit trees and stuff. I got avocado, mango, and uh, satsuma in my backyard. I love the fruit on the fruit tree. But you know what? That fruit is not for itself. The tree is not, the fruit on the tree is not for the tree itself. God wants to do a work in your heart and my heart. And it's not about us. The work that God did in Randy and Jonan's life, it wasn't about them. Listen, I worked with Jonan and, and I've known Randy a long time. They're the real deal. And God had taken them and he broke their life. But then he took them and then he used them. He wants to use us in the hearts and lives of those around us. He wants to use us and he'll take us through things so that he can do that work within us. But then it says that he, Jesus, it gave them to the disciples to set before them. And the two fish he divided among them all. So they all ate and were filled. Now, And when they took up the 12 baskets full of fragments of the fish, uh, the fragments uh, and and of the fish, and those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men. So again, Jesus takes, breaks, blesses, he passes out. They go, they pass it out. And when they're done passing out, then they go and they collect. And they collect 12 baskets full. Now think about the disciples. 
doing this. You think that they kind of get a little bit of a clue. But listen, that's not the end of the story of what God is doing. Very next verse, look at verse 39. Then he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down, excuse me, excuse me, sorry. Verse 45, sorry, immediately, sorry. Immediately when he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida. And while he sent the multitude away, and when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. Now when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land, and he saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth night, fourth watch of the night, which is about 3 a.m., he came to them walking on the sea and would have passed them by. And when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost and they cry out for they all saw him and they were troubled. Why were they troubled? Because they thought it was a ghost. If you're out there kind of rowing and you're toiling and you're doing all of this, you know, the wonderful thing I love about this is, is that it says that Jesus saw them. Do you know what? Jesus sees each and every one of us in the things we're going through, in the toiling, the hamster wheel, maybe that we feel like we're running on or trying and we're not getting anywhere. But he sees us in all of those things. He understands. He sees all of those things. And yet for them, he, Jesus, they were troubled. But then immediately he talked with them and said to them, be of good cheer. It is I do not be afraid. And I love those words of Jesus because I love the fact that in the midst of the things we're going through, Jesus sees what's going on. And then Jesus, kind of like for the disciples, again, they see a ghost, they're like, ah, what's going on? And they're troubled. And yet he comes into the boat, just like he comes into each and every one of our lives. He enters into our lives and he says, hey guys, listen, don't be afraid. Be of good cheer. It is I. And listen, listen. First John tells us that fear involves torment. And can I tell you, there's a lot of people that are going through life that are being tormented because of the things that they're experiencing. And they're allowing fear to control and govern their lives. And because of that, they're being tormented. And yet Jesus would say to us, be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. Maybe that's a word for someone here today of you're in the midst of this trouble, you're in the midst of the fear, you're in the midst of the torment, God would look at you and say, listen, be of good cheer. I am with you. It is I. Do not be afraid. And then he went up into the boat to them, and the wind ceased, and they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled. They were greatly greatly amazed, and they marveled. Why did they do that? Because here's the thing. In the midst of that storm, they're trying to row. They're not getting anywhere. Jesus comes in. Hey, don't be afraid. And when he speaks, it's like this whole calm happens. And there's this rest. And that's what Jesus wants to do. And yet for them, because a lot of them were fishermen, they, they realized this kind of thing doesn't happen. This is something that's a little bit more miraculous that happens. But read what it says next. For they had not understood about the loaves because their heart was hardened. So he's jumping back, not to him walking on the sea, but they're jumping back to what happened in the feeding of the 5,000. 
that these guys did not understand because their hearts were hardened. Listen again, the disciples, we see them, but they're just not understanding what Jesus is doing. Partly because their hearts were hardened. Jesus is doing miracles in the midst of them, and they're not even really recognizing it, not even really seeing all the things that he's doing because it was a hard heart. They were, in a sense, they were kind of clueless to the working and the moving of the Spirit of God. You know what? I don't know about you. We can be clueless as well. This last week, I was clueless of my surrounding things. Listen, on Friday, we're going to take a team of about 16 people. We're going over to Austria. It's the first time we're going to Austria. We're really excited about it. We're doing a couple of different things. But every morning, because of the time difference, I'm on the a phone or trying to talk or communicate with the people over there, usually 5, 5.30 in the morning. And I'm talking with them. Hey, you know, trying to work out all the details and get everything. But, you know, I'm dealing with young guys. I don't know about young people, but they don't want to talk on the phone. They want to text. And, and it's kind of like my own kids. I don't know about you. My own kids are that way. You know, I can call them and they won't answer, but I text them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, dad, whatever you want. You know, and I'm like, wait, why won't you answer my phone? But anyways, I'm going on and on, talking to them, texting, and I'm finally just, hey, dude, could you just call me? Please call me. I just, well, I just want to work all these things out. So the phone rings. The guys call me. So I just hit answer. And when I hit answer, then I'm looking at the stuff and we're kind of going. We have a half hour conversation as I'm on the phone with this guy. And I'm kind of going through all the stuff and everything like that. And then we get done with the conversation. And I go grab my phone and I go to hang up my phone. I'm not on a phone call. I'm on a video call. Listen, it's 530 in the morning. It's hot. I get out, I'm in my underwear, I'm standing there in my Tonys, and this guy, and I'm sitting there having this half-hour conversation with this guy. Listen, I got to go see him next week, and I'm the, that, was, that was ugly, awful, you know, whatever the case may be. But listen, sometimes we can be totally clueless to the things that are going on, to the surroundings, even in the midst of when God is working and doing things. Guys, do you know... Do you know that God does miracles here every week, every week? Listen, listen, amen. I actually get to sometimes be a part where I'm up here and I see people coming forward and they got tears in their eyes because they've been burdened by things of life and all of that. And they come and they get to unload that at the feet of Jesus. And I see Jesus pour his love into their heart and into their life. And you see just this change that happens in them. But you know what? Even though that is such a miraculous thing, we can kind of like, yeah, 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 there's a bunch of people who got saved this morning and stuff. Hey, you want to go to In-N-Out for lunch? Is that okay? You know, and, stuff. and it's kind of like, whoa, 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 time out. Just like the disciples who can kind of be clueless when God is trying to move and God is trying to work. But Jesus is always saying, hey, guys, listen, it's about believing and trusting in me. Back in um, 2009, I, I, was, I was actually at the church back in the 80s and the 90s um, doing things here when we were at the other church before we moved into this building here. And then I was up in the Seattle area. I was up on one of the islands up there pastoring a little tiny church and stuff. And so we were up there for about 13 years. And then Pastor Steve asked me to come back. So I come back. And there in 2009, he says, hey, Pat, can you kind of um, help out with the marriage ministry. And at that time, Randy and Jonan had been doing it for like 16 years here at this church. And so I go in and I kind of help take over the marriage ministry and kind of, you know, we're, we're running things and doing things. But because I'm now over the marriage ministry, uh, people think I know something about marriage. And so I'm doing all of this marital counseling. You know, I had like three couples a day that would come in and talk 
and stuff. And it, and it was just a lot. You know, I'm always trying to work out and, you know, figure out how to, to, to get them moving on within their marriage. But can I tell you something in the last, I don't know how many years that's been going on, some 10, 12, uh, 13, I don't know, whatever, how many years it's been. Very rarely do I ever, ever tell anyone to get divorced. It's just not, God's not happy with that and stuff. Even if there's biblical grounds and stuff, hey, is there any way that we can work this out? But there was this couple that came in uh, to talk to me. Uh, they were here at first service, or at least Tina was, uh, James and Tina. I, I didn't mention them by name, uh, first service, because I'm going to cry if I, you know, when I looked at her and I saw her, I was like, oh, I'm going to fall apart here. But anyway, so I, I, uh, I'm meeting with them over and over and over and over again, and he's just like such a pride and arrogance, and, and I'm like thinking, you know what, uh, there's no way. And she had biblical grounds for divorce, according to the scripture. It was like, no, no, this is, things are going on. They're not good, anything like this. And I finally said, you know what? You just got to leave this guy. You got to divorce this guy and stuff. In fact, I wasn't the only one. Pastor Dave told him the same thing. But anyways, <laughs> just thought I'd throw you in there, buddy. <laughs> anyways, so after I tell him this, the next week, she comes up to me. She's walking up, and, and I'm going up to her. Hey, how are things kind of going? But she kind of had a, like, like, almost like a grin, like a smile on her face. And she looked at me and says, you know what, Pat? God told me, God told me he's going to restore my marriage. But you know what? For me, when she, because I've seen this movie many times, when she turned and walked away, I rolled my eyes and I'm like, man, I felt sorry for her that you have to go through and endure this because this is just not good. And I'm thinking there's no way that that is going to happen. About a month later, I'm standing by my office in that hallway right over there, and I see them walking in. She has the biggest smile on her face. They're holding hands like they've been in love for forever, and I'm just standing there staring and looking, and he's got this very silly grin, and he walks up, and he goes, Pat, do I got a story for you? And he told me that story. And it's an incredible story. But you know what? For her, he even told me. He said, if I could have got divorced, I would have. But I didn't even have 300 bucks to go fill out the, the, the paperwork. That's what he told me. But you know, for her, listen, listen. It was not about the marriage. It was about believing and trusting God. It wasn't about the marriage. Believing and trusting God. And maybe for someone here today, maybe, maybe that's a word you need for your heart today of believing. Hey, have faith in God. Believing and trusting in God. But God took them, filled them. They're here every week. Uh, and he's using them. But again, it was the work that God did in their hearts and in their lives. But let's continue on in our story there in Mark 6. Because in verse 53, it tells us, when they crossed over and came to the land of Gazareth and anchored there, and when they had come out of the boat, immediately the people recognized him. And they ran through that whole surrounding region and began to carry about on beds those who were sick to wherever they heard he was. And wherever, whatever he entered into village, city, or country, they laid the sick in the marketplace and begged him that he might just touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched him were made well. As many as touched him. I don't know if you were here on Thursday night, but Thursday night, Pastor Dennis actually alluded to this same scripture here of touching the hem of Jesus' garment. But guys, understand something. Like we think, okay, I'm just going to reach out and touch. But the the garment that he wore came down here in the hem 
was down here. And so for them to touch the hem of his garment, listen, this is what they had to do, to touch the hem of his garment. They had to bow the knee. They had to get down. This is what they had to do, to touch the hem of his garment. Can I tell you guys something? Rainy and Jonan, what all the stuff that was going on within their lives, Rainy bent down and he touched the hem of Jesus' garment. And he was made well. James and Tina, they reached down. They touched the hem of his garment. They were made well. For us today, it's about getting down, humbling ourselves. Because again, God says, listen, we can't come to him all prideful and arrogant and thinking that we're something. He says, I will never accept that. But what he does accept is a broken and contrite heart when we're willing to humble ourselves and come down. The Bible says he will never refuse us. He'll never refuse us when we're willing to humble ourselves and to go before his feet, to go before him in that way. Have faith in God. That's what he asks us. Have faith in God. And I love the way that we are finishing up our service this morning because it's a matter of believing and trusting in him. We are going to partake of communion. The men are going to come out and they're going to pass out the bread and the cup. Uh, Worship team is going to come out. Um, But I'd ask that you would hold that bread and that cup so that we can all partake together. But guys, listen, again, communion is for the body of believers. If you're not a believer in Christ, what I ask is that you would get saved even right now. You would open your heart to him. Confess what he says about you is true. We're sinners in need of a savior. That's why he sent his son to come and to die upon the cross so that we could have that forgiveness and grace. And again, it's not a huge thing. It's kind of like Peter when he you know, went out on the boat. He said, Lord, help. And for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, scripture tells us that we can be saved. So this morning we would ask, that you would open your heart to him so that you can partake of communion. But if you're not interested in the things of God or him, then, then don't take communion. Just, just let it pass by. But again, for us, for each and every one of our lives, I love what Paul says there in 1 Corinthians 11. Because Paul says, he says, and such were some of you. You know, right before this, he's doing this whole list of really sinful behavior And yet when I look at that list, all of that is stuff that I've done. And if I haven't done it physically, I've thought it in my heart or my mind. And such were some of you. But he says, but you were washed and you were sanctified. You were justified. And I like that justified. Pastor Steve used to always say uh, justified means just as if you never sinned. Listen, when you turn to the Lord, you're not going to be standing in your righteousness. But you're going, to be, you're going to be saying, no, I need Jesus to come upon me. And it's now his righteousness. And the Bible says he takes our sin, throws it as far as the east is from the west, and he remembers it no more. It's like just as if you've never sinned. That's what Jesus does. But we are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the spirit of our God. That's what God wants for each and every one of us. Pastor Gannon's going to share just a little song as we stay in an attitude of worship. Hang on to your communion and we'll partake at the end when the guys are all done passing out. What can wash away my sin?
nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the God's doing a work. He takes it, he breaks it, and then he uses it. But he said to them, take and eat. This is my body. And as often as you do these things, do them in remembrance of me. And this morning, that's what we're doing. We're stopping and we're remembering what Jesus has done, who he is, what he's asking of us. And that is to trust him, to believe him, to have faith in him. Let's partake of the bread together. And then it says that he took the cup. And he said, this is a new covenant. Listen, whenever I do a wedding, I love do communion kind of at the end of the wedding in a sense of because in a wedding they made covenants they made a commitment to one another they made a covenant to each other that they're going to love honor and cherish all the days of their life and that's the covenant that they made and yet jesus says the covenant that i'm making is going to be me shedding my blood you know in a wedding ceremony it's the ring that that is kind of the symbol of the love, the symbol of the covenant that we've made one with another in our relationship with Jesus Christ. It's the blood that was shed that allows us to experience his love, his goodness, and his grace. And he said, as often as you take it, take it and drink of it, would you remember me until I come again? Let's partake. Lord, we do thank you. Thank you for your love, for your goodness, for your grace for us. 
God, I ask and pray for all of us that are sitting here today. Lord, that we would, in our journey with you, really try to grasp hold of the things that you're doing as we do life together. We would see you moving and working in the surrounding things. We wouldn't, in a sense, be, I know as I am oftentimes, or the disciples, where they're just clueless to you wanting to do miracles among them, working and moving within their heart and life. And God, I pray and ask for those who are sitting here today that it, it is all about the money or it's all about the marriage or it's all about other things. Would you help us to fix our eyes on you and make it about being in love with you and allowing you to move and work? So would you do that in each and every one of our hearts and in each and every one of our lives? And we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. All God's people agree by saying, Amen. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.